Hello and uh, welcome back to the HP Lovecraft Book Club. Uh, in this episode, I will take a close look at The Silver Key by Lovecraft, uh, a story he wrote in 1926. It was published three years later in Weird Tales um, uh, in January 1929. So The Silver Key is a it's a Randolph Carter story. It's it's one of several that we we've already looked at several, and we'll look at a big one coming up. Um, but you know the earlier Randolph Carter stories are actually mentioned in this tale. Uh, the earlier ones include like the, the the statement of Randolph Carter and the unnameable are the two most most famous. Other uh, references are made here to to other other characters and other elements of. Of kind of the Lovecraft mythology, um, but this is one of his most philosophical s stories. But it's also in a very interesting contrast with the later story, which we'll look at over four parts: the Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath, which uh, also involves Randolph Carter as a dreamer. Um, and we see basically our best look at the Dreamlands, our most complete look at the Dreamlands in that story. And the end of that story is Randolph Carter uh, returns to Earth. After being tricked by Narl Othotep to uh, to be brought before Azathoth, um, and he wakes up to escape that, and he returns to his world. But even before that, there's this theme throughout the story, which we see in kind of a, a sequel to Celeface, which is part of Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath, where we see a character saying, well, I never should have been a dreamer. I should have gone back to New England and stayed in New England. Or no, no, in his case, it's Cornwall, right? Uh, to stay in the Cornwall of my youth. And Randolph Carter is tested with this, why don't you stay in, uh, in New England? And there's a suggestion at the end that even in his real ideal city that he's searching for is just New England, uh, just how he remembers New England from his youth. The Silver Key is a very is much an opposite story where most of the story is spent him unable to dream. He's he's lost the ability to be a dreamer. So I'm not sure where that puts Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath in the timeline of the Silver Key. I actually haven't read um, the sequel to the Silver Key, which was a Lovecraft revision, one of his last ones. Uh, I'll I'll come back to that when I when you know that that question when I get back to this, but. When I get to that story, I'll come back to this question of where Dream Quest fits in the timeline of Randall Carter. If we even want to do that, I'm not sure that's that relevant. The point, the biggest point here, of course, is that Randolph Carter is the stand-in for Lovecraft, and he regularly is the stand-in for Lovecraft, um, and he's kind of that way in all of these stories, especially this one. I think this one more than any other, we see him being his stand-in for Lovecraft, because you know Lovecraft by this time is middle age. He's already had a career such as a writer. And of course, many of his greatest tales will come after The Silver Key. In fact, three of my favorites are, are coming up shortly uh, after we finish with Dream Quest of the Unknown Kadath. So he still had a lot of creativity in him. But, you know, it, it's this actually, you know what this story reminds me of? It reminds me a lot of It. Stephen King's It, which is my favorite Stephen King book and one of my favorite favorite books uh, of all of all time, which is about adults losing the ability to have imagination. And basically, it's a very thematically very similar. It's about adults being unable to dream anymore, and this does that need to go back to one's childhood in order to restore the memories of how to dream. Uh, very much an influence. In fact. 
you know, I haven't seen anywhere like a clear analysis on this, that it is inspired by the silver key, but thematically it's, it's dead on and thematically they're almost identical. Um, I mean, I guess you don't have a trans-dimensional monster of sorts in the silver key, but uh, the core philosophy of it, the core dialogue of it is this need for us to go back to our childhood in order to dream again and, and have the magic, right, of it, uh, the magic of the dreams. So much of the story, it's not a very long story. It's, it's 12 pages or so in the Klinger anthology. It's like 40 minutes. It's an audio book. So it's a, it's a short story. It doesn't really um, drag on at all. Not like Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath. But I do think this is an essential reading um, for Lovecraft's philosophy more than it is like to get into his mythos and his kind of horror it's not a horror story really outside of you know losing someone someone vanishing supernatural is part of this but it's not a horror story um, so to speak so we're told in the very first line that randolph carter uh, lost the key of the gate of dreams now we're not told what the the key is in fact later on we get this idea of the key as a physical thing the silver key but here it's just the the general use of the word key like the the, the thing that unlocks the gate of dreams um, and then we're told how he spent much of his life embracing uh, dreams as a way to escape uh, the mundane realities of existence. But he's lost that. And he, we're told very clearly why he lost it. It's middle age. He's gotten old. Um, you know, quote, but as middle age hardened upon him, he felt those liberties slipping away little by little until he was at last cut off altogether. End quote. Now, this is something I think any of us who are middle age and hopefully Hopefully there are some children out there listening to this, uh, maybe being exposed to Lovecraft for the first or second time. Um, but, you know, if you are middle aged out there, you probably know what he's talking about here. He's talking about a general midlife crisis uh, that so many of us experience. Uh, and it may not be dreams that you're losing, but it might be something else. But but it's, it is that magic. It's that magic that King talks about in It. The magic of childhood, right? The, the, when imagination becomes real, right? Um, for Lovecraft, it's dreams. And, you know, based on your own experiences, you may prefer dreams to imagination, but they're kind of the same thing, I think, here. Um, and now, why did he lose this? Well, aging is part of it, but, quote, he had read much of things as they are and talked with too many people. Well-meaning philosophers are taught, taught him to look into the logical relations of things and analyze the processes which shape his thoughts and fancies, end quote. So he's essentially been educated. Uh, that's part of the problem, and I think that's still a, an issue we need to talk about, is how education does, in fact, destroy our creativity. Um, you know, it doesn't have to. It's not an inevitability of education, but the world we live in tends to do that. Tends, education does tend to purge that part of their, their mind, their creativity, their, even more than creativity, their imagination. Right? Um, much of the real world takes away mystery. It takes away our, our imaginative muscles. It takes away our, ultimately our ability to dream. So this whole story becomes a discourse on that. We even get an explicit mention of science here, which is something that's obviously on Lovecraft's mind a lot. Um, now, he tends to see science, like if you read Call of Cthulhu, which we just did call of Cthulhu starts with this idea that like mad, like in science will unlock this kind of realm beyond our existence that we can't comprehend. And here it's presented in the opposite way. So just like this is stories of kind of the inverse of dream quest of unknown Kadath. It's also the inverse of call of Cthulhu 
in this sense, quote, they turned him instead towards the newfound prodigies of science, bidding him find wonder in the atom's vortex and mystery in the sky's dimension, end quote. Now, certainly that's something that's new and mysterious and terrifying um, there, but it's also something that contributes to his ennui, right? So sciences are dead end. And then throughout the story, I don't know how much I want to go through this point by point, but for the first half of the story, he just goes, pay, you know, experiment by experiment, intellectual exploration, right, to get out of this ennui. He goes to various things. Uh, the real world, the job, career, useless, right? He grows up, he gets a job, he goes to war even, and that doesn't do it for him. Um, I, actually, I wish that's something that could have been developed because uh, it's an interesting theme about how people do feel out of place in this world and they might find meaning in war. Uh, there's even that movie, The Best Years of Our Life, which is about the returning soldiers. It's, that's the inverse, though. It's not people going to war to seek out a better life. It's people coming back from war who realize they had more meaning there than in the, the everyday life, right? There was something when they were part of that army. When they're back to their hometown, they're a nobody again. So it's... Or it's the same like in the Shawshank Redemption, right? This idea that if you're going to be someone in prison, but in the real world, you're nothing. Um, but anyways, Carter is Carter's not satisfied by war. He's not satisfied by any intellectual exploration. He's not satisfied by religion and certainly not the, the job. I mean, Lovecraft would be the last person to say, you know what you need to get out of this ennui is just get a good job and, and have a purpose and, and, and go to work every day and do your job to the best of your ability. Um, obviously that's not going to do it for him. Um, so he starts to turn into the more, the less, I guess, uh, day-to-day kind of explorations. He turns to, uh, mythology. He turns to, um, libertinism for one time. I'll read that section. Quote, Carter did not taste deeply of these modern freedoms for their cheapness and squalor sickened the spirit loving beauty alone while his reason rebelled at the flimsy logic with which their champions tried to gild brute impulse with the sacredness stripped from the idols they have discarded. He saw that most of them, in common with their cast-off priestcraft, could not escape from the delusion that life has a meaning apart from that which men dream into it. End quote. Uh, so he abandons the hedonism. Uh, he tries to cross class lines. You know, Randolph Carter is, like Lovecraft, kind of, very class conscious, very aristocratic, uh, but I think unlike Lovecraft, Randolph Carter seems to at least dabble in exploring other classes. Maybe this is a little brief reference to his New York adventure. I'm not sure, but he, uh, you know, he tries to live life as the poor person, as the castaways. Um, but ultimately, it's this meaningless of not life coming back. Um, Basically, it's it's this brutal foundation of modernity is just that it's it's banal at the end of the day. As, as amazing as science and technology might be, at the end of the day, it's banal. Quote, when these things paled, disappointment or grew nauseous through revulsion, they cultivated irony and bitterness and found fault with the social order. Never could they realize that their brute foundations were as shifting and contradictory as the gods of their elders and that the satisfaction of one moment is the bane of the next. Calm, lasting beauty comes only in dreams, and this solace the world had thrown away when, in its worship of the real, it threw away the secret of childhood and innocence. End quote. And again, this is why I think of it when I read this, is this association of, with magic and imagination and dreams with childhood. 
right? That's something that you have to kind of return to your childhood to re- to restore. And ultimately, that's what Randolph Carter has to do, right? So Randolph Carter, ultimate fi- ult- total failure in the real world. He does then turn to the war, um, and it's, quote, stirs him but little. So what do you do at this point? Well, you do what some people try, uh, and that is writing. You can kind of turn to the books, uh, and it's, we're told Randolph Carter kind of picks up the pen again. Um, and again, if this is the parallel for Lovecraft, we imagine Lovecraft going through these same anxieties and his very fruitful late 20s, early 30s, which correspond with this, are his most productive years in terms of output and original output. Um, so he tries to write things. He reads novels, but he also writes kind of trashy literature. He writes uh, fantasy, cheap social satire, uh, and other things. And finally, he gives up writing as well um, and instead turns to weird fiction. So this is, again, kind of where Lovecraft already is. He was always writing weird fiction. He didn't have his phase where he wrote vulgar stuff. I mean, a few stories, right, uh, that might fit that. Um, but even those are all satirical. So he turns to weird fiction and occultism and of ultimately turning to antiquarianism. So he goes to where Lovecraft sort of goes. Randolph Carter eventually gets to where Lovecraft is. But even this has its limits. Uh, horror has its limits. Uh, experiencing horror has its limits. Um, he thinks about suicide. Um, and he does all this. And finally, we're halfway through the story. Or maybe even more than halfway through the story. And Carter finally starts to have this, some dreams come back. He learns to dream a little bit. Uh, quote, with the passage of time, he became almost glad that he had lingered for his relics of youth and his cleavage from the world made life and sophistication seem very distant and unreal. So much so that the touch of magic and expectancy stole back into his nightly slumbers. For years, those slumbers had known only such twisted reflections of everyday things as the commonest slumberer knows. No, um... So he starts to dream again. They're not really dreamlands type dreams. They're not the kind of transporting dreams that uh, we've come across in his dreamland stories or obviously in Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath, but they're dreams. And one of these dreams takes him to his childhood. And so this is where the story sort of turns uh, about the halfway point. It turns and we find uh, this, this, I mean, the first half of the story is basically just about ennui and anxiety and someone questing to find an escape from the ennui of modernity and modern life is failure to do so, but it becomes supernatural fiction, even horror, if you want to think of it that way, in the middle point of the story when he dreams of his ancestors. And this is going to be a recurring theme in Lovecraft. For instance, we see it a little bit in The Descendants. We see it certainly in The Very Old Folk, The Roman Dream, which I'll talk about some point before I move on to the revisions, I, I think I think I'll deal with it after the Dunwich Horror. Um, you know, it actually should go here. Um, and maybe I should do it here just simply because Lovecraft's thinking a lot about dreaming of ancestors uh, and having ancestral dreams at this time that he has the Roman dream. So the Roman dream doesn't come out of nowhere. It, it comes out of a period in his mind when he's thinking um, very consciously about uh dreams of one ancestors, right? Call of Cthulhu, dreams from uh, something external, right? Uh, Silver Key, dreams are eternal to one. So there are linked to our ancestral past. Our racial past certainly is, is a suggestion here too. 
Uh, where else do we see this? Uh, Case of Charles Dexter Ward uh, is all about one remembering one's ancestry somehow and kind of having a draw, being drawn in by the ancestors. So there's the cosmic and there's the personal, and they both deal with dreams and memory and connections across time. Right? Hope, hope, hope I'm right about that. I, I think I, I think it's right. Um, anyways, he starts to dream of his ancestors, particularly his grandfather. And it's his grandfather who reminds him of a key. So now we have a physical key. When the key is first mentioned, it's, the, it's, it's more of the metaphorical key, the key of the gates of dreams. There's the path to dreaming. Here we're, he's told through his dream that, no, there's actually a key in a box. Um, and he finds it in the attic of like his ancestral home. Uh, quote, in the dust and shadows of the great attic, he found it remote and forgotten in the back of the drawer and the tall chest. It was about a foot square and its gothic carvings were so fearful that he did not marvel. No person such Edmund Carter had dared to open it. Um, so he opened it and then within it is the huge key of tarnished silver. Um, now here we get a mention to one of the stories, the earlier Randolph Carter stories, the statement of Randolph Carter. So I remember when I read that, I was... Way back in the early this early part of the series, I you know I kind of talked about should this be put with the other Randolph Carter stories, should it be its own thing, and then about the location of where this is, and my friends said no, it's obviously Florida, and then obviously Lovecraft's later story sort of confirmed that it is in Florida, and that this is all part of one universe. Um, I don't know, I still don't care where the statement of Randolph Carter is set, but. Uh, definitely this Carter is connected to Warren. Quote, Carter recognized the characters as those he had seen on certain papyrus scroll belonging to that terrible scholar of the South who had vanished one evening in a nameless cemetery. Um, so that's a direct reference to, to Warren. So Lovecraft does this a lot where he kind of uh, does fan service, if you will. He, he kind of name drops things from other stories uh, for, the, for the service of his fans. Um, but through this, when he starts to sleep next to this key, his dreams return, right? So he, the whole point here is he had to go to his youth. He had to go to his past through his dreaming of his grandfather to unlock the key. I think the key can still be metaphorical if you want. It doesn't have to be a, a physical, uh, artifact. It doesn't have to be a relic. It, it simply can work as a metaphor for remembering how things were when you were young. Uh, and in fact, he does return to his past and his ancestral past too. Uh, for instance, um, he does go back to even before his own lifetime, quote, there were calling him back along the years and with the mingled wills of all his fathers were pulling him towards some hidden and ancestral source. Then he knew that he must go into the past and merge himself with old things. And day after day, he thought of the hills to the north where haunted Arkham and the Russian Miskatonic and the lonely rustic homestead of his people lay. So it goes to his past geographically and temporally. And we get to all these places. And if, we're, if you read Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath, you'll be reminded of the climax of that story when he's haunted and tempted with Kingsport and Arkham and Salem and Providence and all these uh, various haunted towns. Right. And he begins to dream of his own past and his own boyhood. And particularly and this all mixes up with a lot of the, the mythos that that exists in these stories. For instance, we get a shout out to the festival uh, when thinking about Kingsport. 
quote, then when he was in deep shadow again, he recalled with a start of a glimpse that must have come from childish memory alone since the white church had long been torn down to make room for a congregational hospital. He had read of it with interest for the paper had told us some strange borough or passages in the Rocky Hill beneath, which is the festival, right? Uh, he connects to, he even sees servants that his family had in, in the youth and interacts with them. Uh, he interacts with various family traditions um, and starts to live out this actual experience as, as a child, like actual living out memories. So it's a, it's a long section of the book, but it's basically Randolph Carter goes fully into his past. And basically as a 10-year-old, I think, I think he's 10 here. And he's, he's able to go there so far that he vanishes from his real world. Um, so, yeah, just he literally leaves. So we've seen this sort of before in the Dreamlands, like, uh, I guess with Celeface, where Karanis has to die. But his body stays behind. He doesn't totally vanish. And this is actually time travel, right? This is actually he's going into his past. Um, and then the denouement of the story, I guess, is the kind of the blowback of 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 what of what the family and the people around Randolph Carter experience after his vanishing. Uh, they kind of debate what's going on now one thing they think about is like this tendency of randolph carter to see the future um quote now it is agreed by all the distant relatives of randolph carter that something occurred to heighten his imagination in this 10th year his cousin ernest b Epswall, esquire of chicago is fully 10 years his senior and distinctly recalls a change in the boy after the summer of 1883 randolph had looked on scenes of fancy fantasy that few others could ever behold and stranger still were some of the qualities which he shone in relation to very mundane things. He seemed in fine to have picked up an odd gift of prophecy. So he's able to see the future, right? Uh, and there's even experiences with uh, in, the, in the war that, that people could talk about and said that, that this was kind of like he's, he's kind of tied into some kind of different special powers, right? And we know it's through his dreaming that, he, that he's able to lock into this these powers but it's I, I think what's distinctive about the story when you look at the other dream ones ones is how time travel in one's youth the pull of one's youth is such a big part of this of this story now of course one question here is like who's this narrator of the story it's 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 not randolph carter in fact we get this really interesting uh first person narration at the end it kind of shifts it's like the last two paragraphs suddenly it becomes first person narration and our narrator steps forward uh, and, and speaks to us and he says this I shall ask him when I, when I see him for I expect to meet him shortly in a certain dream city where we both used to haunt it's rumored in Ulthar beyond the river sky that a new king reigns on the opal throne in Ilakvald that fabulous town of Turrence atop the hollow cliffs of glass overlooking the twilight sea wherein the bearded and finny Ginori build their singular lambreths and I believe I know how to interpret this rumor certainly I look forward to impatiently to the site of that great silver key, for in its cryptical arbiquesses there may stand symbolized for uh, symbolized all the aims and mysteries of the blindly impersonal cosmos. End quote. He can't deny or he can't resist putting in a little bit of cosmic horror at the end of the story, with this implication of uh, the indifferent massive uh, cosmos. Um, now, if you've read Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath, you know that's not what happens. This is not 
what happens to our, our hero. He doesn't become a king. Uh, instead, he's looking for Kadath. So I still don't know. If, if you want to take these as a, a pre-planned mythology, I don't think you can, but if you wanted to you know, kind of organize the Dreamland stories in a way, it doesn't seem this really connects with Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath very clearly. Um, maybe that stuff happens before this. This seems to be almost the end because at the end of Dream Quest, he wakes up and is back on Earth. And here, Carter's body disappears. He vanishes. So there's no body for him to return to. So it's kind of a one-way trip at this point. Um, but also, after experiencing Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath, it's hard to believe I would want to go back there because it is a source of such horrors, right? His escape, his freedom comes from being entrapped and lost forever in Azatoth is to wake up and return to this world. So it's a very, they're very opposite stories. And I, I think any attempt to kind of make a broader mythology out of it fails. But I have to, I do have to read Through the Gates of the Silver Key, which is a sequel to this and which is all about trying to find Randolph Carter. And, and maybe that's the real sequel, not Dream Quest. Dream Quest maybe is just its own little exploration. So I, as, I'm not a big fan of trying to put these Randolph Carter stories in, in order. Like the unnameable doesn't really fit. It's just uh, because it, it's just when you know Lovecraft wants to think about himself, he uses Randolph Carter uh, or wants to put himself, you know, there. But he's not the narrator. That's what's interesting about this. We end up with this weird narrator who's not really defined. Maybe in Through the Gates of the Silver Key, he's identified as a person. But we know he played with Carter as a kid. Um, and we know that Carter plays with other kid, people like Pikmin. Um, that, that comes up in the, the Dream Quest. So I guess that's it. I, I thought I might have a little bit more to say about this, but it's, you know, I, I want to emphasize the, this very, I think, compelling to me, personally compelling and powerful story of someone finding, someone being saved by one's child. Uh, childhood, one's own youth can come back and save us if we remember it, if we can go back to it, if we can unlock that magic that we had when we were kids. It may save us. At the very least, it may give us some pleasure and help us escape uh, the, the the horror of late capitalist capitalism, this, this world um, that's run out of things to offer us. Um, yeah, we can stay up on Twitter. We can follow the next election, right? We can uh, get up, you know, just watch some videos on YouTube or wait for the next Marvel movie or whatever. But for most of us, I think increasing numbers of us, it's not enough. Uh, and there's no political alternatives to dream of anymore. It's not the early 20th century. So what do we do? Well, maybe... You know, there's something in our childhood, that, at least that imagination that, that we need to kind of break us out of our trap. Uh, it's, it's maybe that's a that's just silly hopefulness. Um, but it's it's something I, I think about quite a lot. So we wish there was a political escape, but maybe the best we can do is kind of. Before we can do that, we need to learn to dream, I guess. That's what I'm trying to say. We need to learn to have imagination again. And Lovecraft is telling us that in the Silver Key. Um, so, good story. If you've missed it, if you skipped this one, definitely you should read it. 
So coming up next, I believe we have a Strange High House in the Mist. Uh, yeah, Strange High House in the Mist, Pikmin's model, then the Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath. So that's that's the next few. So we'll be kind of in the Dreamlands for a while. Strange High House in the Mist, Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath are kind of Dreamland stories or adjacent. It's the case in Strange High House in the Mist. We spend a lot of time in Kingsport. Uh, in these stories too so um yeah i'm looking forward to talking about uh these various stories in upcoming episodes um so uh if you're reading ahead go start digging into dream quest of unknown kadath because i want to hear what you have to say about that story in particular so thanks so much for listening and i will see you next time